Welcome to the latest episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. My guest today is Mark Gillam from Enable, which is a software platform that helps control rebates. Mark has held a number of senior finance roles and is a strong advocate of the finance function, driving growth through business partnering. I'm looking forward to hearing more from Mark, so welcome to the show, Mark Gillam. Hi, Stephen. Um, thank you for having me uh, attend. Yeah, that's, that's uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, let's start with a little background. The title you have at Enable is Evangelist, which is a little unusual, and I'm quite keen to hear what your interpretation of that is. So, But perhaps you could give us a little background about your career to date and the sort of steps you've come through the fairly typical kind of finance background. But um, yeah, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that and, and then what Evangelist means as far as your, your role at, uh, at Enable is concerned. It is quite a title. You, you are right. And uh, when it was first proposed to me by Enable, like most people, I had to do a bit of reading as to what does this actually mean? Because I think other than the religious connotations of the role, not really a common job title in the UK um, where we're, we're based. So I started my career in a couple of the big banks, Barclays, Royal Bank of Canada, where I qualified as an accountant. Um, so more of a, a commercially orientated accountancy background, but very much from a regulated perspective too. They then moved into builders merchanting of all things. So quite a, quite a change, but a really, really exciting industry where the, the there's lots where finance can add value to an organization. Um, then did a little stint in private equity with e-commerce fulfillment before then moving over to Enable to help people with rebate management, which is something that I'd had quite heavy experience of over the last decade. Yeah, so we're going to talk a bit more about rebates in a minute, but uh, it's a little known fact. I, I worked in the building industry years ago, so I, when I came across you and you, you were talking about rebates, I knew what you mean, although I don't see it in a lot of industries, so I think that would be interesting for, uh, for lots of listeners. So you progressed through various finance roles to get CFO, that's fairly typical, and with this specialism in rebates. But from what you described, your your current role is is a bit like a kind of quasi consulting role with with prospective clients and customers. You know, is that fair? And and is that how you think the finance function should be should be operating now? Let absolutely put it another way. How do you think the finance function should be operating with that sort of context? Yes. So the my role is very much focused. I, I see it almost as two key areas. One being an ambassador for Enable um, and for what they're trying to achieve in terms of you know their software, um, and they see their business as more than just software. And then secondly, it is, as you say, a consultant. So this is spreading best practice, helping organizations, not just from rebates, but really looking at what is a modern finance function, something I believe very passionately in, in that I see so many... For example, if you think of an HR department, how they've evolved over the years, it, it started out as personnel where you would, they would make sure you had a uniform, you were paid and you were trained. To now, we talk more about people teams and they're looking at so many other areas such as well-being, um, engagement. You know, they've reinvented themselves as a function because technology now takes care of the what are classes, the you know the, the pieces that they used to do, and I see that exactly the same in finance. Technology is slowly doing more and more what we used to do, 
So that should free us up to add value to an organization. Yeah, so do you think we're kind of in finance sort of maybe following that path that HR took? I think we're perhaps a little way behind. I think there's lots of talk about automation and so on, but some companies are certainly doing it quite well, but there's a lot that are still still trying to catch up with that, do you think? Yes. I think given that there's so much legislation um, and businesses really, really value what the existing finance function do for them in terms of making sure that everything is done correctly. So to change that function, I think just takes a bit longer. Everybody I speak to really has a passion for wanting to add more value to a business. But the common challenge they face is having the time to do so. So a big part of my role in evangelizing is how do we create that time? Because we've all read all the things we should do and we all want to do them, but nobody's telling us how we make up that time. How do we become more available to our business? And that's where I really want to help organizations. Yeah, so obviously we've got to balance the uh, traditional roles of finance and you know, reporting and budgeting and all those things. But everybody's kind of, exp- well, like you say, we were talking a few minutes ago about the expectations of LinkedIn and what people are saying we should all be doing and uh, business partnering being uh, a key part of that. How, how do we balance? Have you got any, any thoughts about how we balance those sort of competing roles? Do we need to make the finance function bigger or... Is it something that we can reorganize, automate, and so on to to free up that time? I think it's, it's a bit of an evolution rather than a revolution in terms of finance. Like the LinkedIn side of things that I see, at times, you know, they, they set very high expectations. Whether you are a finance leader or just a leader generally, I think it's impossible to meet those expectations. Just as we mentioned, whether it be social media and and children and the expectations that are placed on them, there's a lot of ideologies out there. But the reality is nobody's perfect. So for me, it is about taking step after step to get to where you want to be. It's not something that's going to happen quickly. And it's definitely not something you would want to happen quickly because this has to be measured to make sure that you you maintain stability in the organization that you're supporting. Yeah. So have you got any examples that are obviously within the bounds of confidentiality and so on? Have you got examples of the sort of uh, conversations you've had with with companies that you're working with that, again, we'll talk about rebates a bit more in, in a minute, but, but with that sort of consulting side of, of your role, about um, you know, how they've been able to how you've been able to sort of help them to fulfil that sort of business partnering objective. Sure, um, I think um, actually an even better example is actually in my time at Grafton. So when I started at Grafton, the finance function that I was responsible for, we were very much in a um, a role of calculating events that had happened in the past and. Um, working with our supply chain to make sure that we had everything correct. That was a very manual task, lots of spreadsheets, and we were as efficient as we could be at that point in time. What we managed to do by working with our IT departments was start to automate. So this is even pre-enable, which was the rebate software. But we, we, we started to work with our IT department to build supported, and I think that's key, 
that you, you kind of don't go rogue as a finance team and to start developing your own in-house things and then somebody leaves and you, you, you're caught short. It's finding the right efficiencies. So we automated certain tasks, whether that be billing and invoicing. And, and each time we did this, we freed up a bit of time. Each time we freed up a bit of time, we were able to go out and add a bit more value. And over, over probably a couple of years, we managed to take a team of about 10 people who may be, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, probably three or four of those people or those roles to then be forward thinking roles. So it's not colossal changes. It is subtle and it takes time. But what's also really important is those four roles. You can't walk into a business on day one and be able to advise the business. You, you've got to understand the business first. So it's really important that those roles are fostered internally and really uh, have a good understanding of the business before they start to support. Yeah, and those those people who then started going out into the business and and uh, because on, on previous um, episodes we've we've heard from other CFOs that you know finance is often the the home of sort of data management and if you like the numerical, numerical analytical side of decision making. Those them going out into the the other parts of the business. I mean, was that, first of all, a big adjustment for them? Is because it, it might feel quite alien, particularly going into the sales or marketing environment. How was that? And uh, was, was there anything that you learned from that that uh, was worth passing on? Yes, definitely. The first thing we learned is, as you um, imply, it's not right for everybody. So sometimes you, you might find yourself having to rebalance your team in terms of who is kind of your more inward-looking finance colleagues, um, but there is definitely a new breed of accountants coming through the ranks. We see them all the time really hungry. They definitely don't want to sit at a desk and just calculate numbers. And so having those people are really important. For me, the real key skill set there is the ability to influence. And that means you know, they will listen. They will, they're really keen to learn so that they can they can take that learning and use it and be relatable to the stakeholder because a stakeholder from my experience these these are typically people who have been in a role a long time they have a, a certain view of for example finance which means you can't walk in and just advise them how to change you have to take them on the journey with you and a way i always try to promote that was let them teach you their business and you can actually influence change just by asking questions as they teach you. Why do we do that? Have we ever considered doing it this way? And nine times out of ten, when you ask those questions, they'll have a reason as to why perhaps you don't do it that way. But what you're doing all of the time is you're building a knowledge which you can then take back to the office. And then you can look through the, your lens of a spreadsheet and see the numbers and then put the two pieces together. And it's only when you put those two pieces together do I believe you can really then start to business partner and add value to an organization. Yeah, no, that's uh, interesting, as you say, and it is quite a consultative approach to, uh, if you might, break it down the, the, the perceived barriers and other people might have of, of what the finance function is all about. Yeah. Let's talk about rebates now, because I imagine there's a few people listening who will wonder what, all the fuss is about you know what do we mean by rebates because as i say it's uh, 
it's a big feature in certain industries, but in a lot of others, doesn't feature at all. So perhaps you could tell us where you're seeing it being prevalent and you know, is it something that could be applied in other industries as well? And I suppose what are the, the sort of typical objectives and uh, I don't want to give you too many questions all at one go, but <laughs> the objectives of rebates and then yeah, how does that affect different parts of the supply chain, I suppose, you know, um, so we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps visit that. And let's, let's start with what are rebates about and what are the objectives? So they are more common than I thought they were. I think for, for the basis of being completely transparent, when I started my role at Grafton and they said, Mark, you're going to be responsible for rebates, I had no idea what a rebate was. So we've all started somewhere. And a decade later, I can't escape them now. They come up in every conversation I have. For me, rebates, quite simply, are incentives. They're a bit longer term than a normal pricing strategy. I was surprised to see them even in sectors such as recruitment. We see them a lot in any industry where you have a supply chain. They tend to, uh, that, that maybe is trying to incentivize volumes or mixes. You see a lot of them there. I didn't see a lot of them, though, coming from, for example, importing from China. That tends to be net price, one-off transactions. But anything where there is an ongoing supply chain, perhaps between a manufacturer and a distributor or retailer, they tend to exist very heavily in business-to-business trading relationships. And I understand, for example, in the automotive industry, they're very common in the building materials industry. They're very common. So I think pharmaceuticals is another big area. And we may all remember Tesco and them falling foul of the regulator for accounting. That was rebates. So where they're big, they tend to be very big. So in building or the construction industry, for the big merchants, it could be multiples of their profit are rebates that they're collecting from suppliers. Yeah, okay. So the building industry is where I've encountered it, and certainly it was. Uh, there's some big numbers involved here. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. Numeritas created this podcast as part of our mission to improve the way finance makes decisions, and I hope you find the conversations as useful and interesting as I do. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or just talk privately about a forecasting or modelling challenge. Drop me a message through the contact form on our website at numeritas.co.uk and I'll get back to you. Now, back to the show. So let's look at, yeah, if I'm a manufacturer, what do remakes mean to me? And if I'm a, I suppose, well, in the building industry, you tend to have three layers. You've got, you've got the manufacturer, you've got the sort of retailer or merchant, and then the person who's using them, as it might be a house builder or a construction company who's got a regular need for these. So, so how do rebates impact at those sort of different parts of the supply chain? So, there's multiple uses for them, but what I'll do is I'll go through a couple of the main purposes. So, manufacturers typically they're looking for growth. For them, it, it tends to be more of a volume kind of incentive. So. What we used to see from them very common were tiered incentive rebates. So the more you spend throughout the year, the more money you will receive back at the end of the year. So as an example, if you spend a million pounds 
will give you 2% back on everything you've purchased. If you spend £2 million, we'll give you 3% back on everything you've purchased in the year. So what that's really trying to drive, and it did happen from my perspective at Grafton Group, we would sit in an office, look at where we're forecasting to end at the end of the year. And if there was an incentive band within reach, there would be a conversation as to whether we should step up our spending to buy more. So that, that's quite a, an incentive for the manufacturer, but it's also an incentive for the, you know, the middle party, so the distributor or the merchant. Also, distributors or merchants may ask a manufacturer for a rebate, for example, if they don't have as much buying power. So the manufacturer might say, well, you, you, I haven't seen your volumes. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to deliver that. So rather than providing you with a discount to the price you want, I'll provide you with a rebate, but only if you achieve certain numbers. The other good side of these rebate schemes is they tend to pay out annually, which means they create a lock-in type effect uh, between the two parties. So not only are they generating sales growth for the manufacturer, they're generating loyalty as well. So that's really important you know, in any industry. You, the last thing you want is customer attrition. So they're fantastic for that. And then when we get to the, um, the distributor in the middle, they have the benefit of margin protection from these rebates coming in um, because typically they're not then traded away by their sales teams. But also, they may offer rebates, as you say, to the house builders. I, I can absolutely guarantee you house builders will not buy something without a rebate, especially the big ones. Even the house builders subcontract. So even those subcontractors have rebate schemes as well. So it, it really becomes embedded in the whole commercial structure. And these rebates are millions and millions. In many cases, they're more than the profit throughout the whole supply chain. So you can see how they've become the life bread of, you know, the financials in these arrangements. Yeah. So it actually goes quite a lot deeper than I'd realized as well. So more layers to, to rebate. So I'd be interested to know a bit about how Enable helps with that in a minute. But I've got a question first, which is from what you were just saying, and, and possibly a few listeners will be thinking this as well. How do you account for that? You mentioned that Tesco's had you know, a bit of a, an accounting hiccup, shall we call it, <laughs> to do with rebates. And um, if I'm a, a manufacturer offering rebates, then I've got to make, presumably have to make a provision for that. Likewise, if I'm a merchant, I can't be sure of getting that. Uh, is it treated as revenue if you were a... Uh, so I've got a few questions like that. Perhaps you could just walk us through how it looks for each of those parties. Yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is if you Google accounting for rebates, accounting standards, there's no specific standards for it. They, they typically fall under IAS2 relating to inventories because they are deemed as part of the net cost of the goods you are buying or selling. So on that basis, if we, if we take that approach, they're part of the, the, the cost of goods. So if you are selling something, and there's a rebate attached to it, it's a reduction in your revenue. If you are buying it, if it's a reduction in their revenue, it's a reduction in your cost of sales. And that's really important. And actually, both of those treatments, you would prefer that as a seller, your cost of sales and your buyer, your revenue, because that actually would dilute your margin as well. But it's the, it's the right place for them. The other area that people can 
sometimes struggle with is when you're buying and you've you've received the product, you have to recognize um, you know, under IS2 the goods at the net cost, which means the valuation of your inventory should also include that rebate as well. So a lot of organizations where that depend on this heavily will have a provision for their rebate in stock. And, and then they release that as the, as the, the goods are sold. So that's kind of the, the main accounting side of things. There's one article that I found that is quite useful. I think it was by Grant Thornton back in 2015. But other than that, I've, I've found very limited kind of specific guidance on rebates, albeit I am working at the moment with Enable. We're looking to put something out there, both to cover IFRS and US GAAP, which hopefully will just help the, you know, kind of the fellow accountants out there who sometimes inherit rebates and sit there scratching their head thinking, I have this scenario. Coming back to, to uh, I think, one of your other points, when you have incentive rebates, because we work on an accruals basis, you should be forecasting where you think you're going to end the year. And that's the rebate you should be recognizing through your accounts. For me, most of the guidance you will see talks about financial accounting, but many of us have to do management accounts as well. And realistically, you don't want to apply two different kind of sets of rules to those. So at the beginning of the year, you should be looking at where, you, where you're expecting to finish the year, and you should just continually be revising that position in your rebates. I almost think of it as just kind of nudging the, uh, the can down the road, just trying to keep it within two lines so that ultimately at the end of the year, there are no big shocks in your final set of financials. So it, it is an ongoing calculation. It's not something that you want to set off in a direction and then ignore if rebates are, you know, become important to you, because then you can end up with a big problem. And then my final point would be, it's really important that rebates do have the oversight of what I would team or deem as a, an independent as possible finance function. Because I get a lot of businesses are incentivized on how much profit they make. And the challenge is changing your rebate changes go straight to the bottom line. So any kind of ambiguity can be really challenging. For So it's really important for a CFO or any finance leader to make sure whoever is doing their rebates, they have their protection that ultimately what they say, you know, is, is right because you will have sales teams or procurement teams who they want the biggest possible number. And whether that is phasing over multi-year contracts or things like that, it's about making sure that, you know, the, the, the right income is falling into the right periods. Yeah. And I guess that's particularly important if you're close to a, a threshold level where the rebate changes, you know, if you're, I imagine part of the attraction of rebates actually is that it will drive sales behavior in, say, the merchant to try to make sure they do get past the thresholds. As you say, the independence is important to, to make sure that there's no perverse incentives being, well, they might be there, but, <laughs> but they're not being acted on. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's where enable, as an example, you asked about work and enable, it offers multiple benefits, but one of them is, it's taking care of the calculations and it's making things visible and transparent. It's aligning both the party paying the rebate and the party receiving the rebate. 
And it really does require proper thought into what actually are these rebate terms so that it's seeking to remove ambiguity, disputes, you know, the kind of the old perception of rebates is maybe something a bit smoke and mirrors, you know, where Enable removes that and says, actually, this should be a an incentive for mutual benefit. I think the, the you're absolutely right. There's nothing worse than producing your year-end accounts and you're a couple of days past the year-end and you're running around trying to work out, did we hit the incentive band with that supplier? And that could be a six-figure sum to your financials. And because you're producing a full year's set of accounts, it's a full year's worth of adjustments of that rebate if you've missed it and you've you've already got it in your numbers. The other common one is multi-year contracts where maybe there is a, a lump sum involved in the contract and being able to understand what exactly does that lump sum relate to and therefore it is correctly positioned throughout the lifetime of, the, of that contract. These are sometimes where you know, finance functions may have a disagreement with the commercial team. But for me, as long as you're taking the time to educate and work together, after a while, you start to have a really positive impact. And what you can actually do is before the contract is even signed, finance can be involved and they can review the contract and say, well, actually, you know, we, we see what you're trying to achieve here. But if you structured it slightly different, and perhaps if we did that, it could actually add more value for both sides because you we just look at things from you know from a slightly different angle and that towards the end of my time at Grafton was a really rewarding part of the role was actually being able to work with with our commercial teams and and, and see the value that I was able to add to, you know to their operation yeah so, so you've touched on a few things there so perhaps you could just Tell us a bit more what Enable does, what the software does. So it keeps track of things, yes, but I'm sure there's more to it than that as well. Uh, so perhaps you could give us a, a, an outline of that. Yeah. So I think just to, to place this and coming back to our very original message about the modern finance team, for me what Enable does is one of those tools that frees up time so you can add the value. And whether that is freeing up time for finance, it also frees up time for the commercial teams. So it is a purpose-built piece of software that is designed to manage B2B contractual arrangements where there's commercial income exchanged. It will do everything from creating your contracts in that system to electronic deal sign-off, so no more paper passing or through emails. It has all sorts like chat functionality so that you can actually discuss with the other party what something specifically means that's saved with the contract, the idea being to remove disputes. Once you've built all of that and it's all approved, you put your trading data in, it will calculate everything and tell both parties exactly what rebates have been earned. Um, it can then move on to matching receipts to accruals to make sure that you know a big part of rebate management isn't just getting the number right, you've then got to collect it. So it does that. And from an enable perspective, we're, we're always working with our partners. And one of the reasons I joined them as a former client to them become the evangelist for them is the excitement of what I see on their roadmap. 
there are some key things that we don't yet have that I, you know, I'm really excited that, you know, I believe will add so much value. So the ability as an example to see the net net margin on a transaction where rebates are prevalent in your business at the moment is really difficult. That's one thing that, you know, I'm really pushing and able and bringing my experience of rebate management in the past to help get those things in the product. And so that you can really start to delve into your trading data and understand where you're, you're, you're making money. Yeah. Okay. We covered quite a lot of ground already there in terms of what your thoughts are on, on finance functions so on, but we're kind of drawing to a close now. So you might've said it all already, but are there any other words of wisdom you've got for CFOs, founders, finance people that uh, in particular, I guess in, in the current business climate which is uh, rapidly changing and uh, we've we've just had our well, we've lost count of chancellors we've just had a, <laughs> another change in chancellor so you know is there anything that uh, from where you're sitting that you think is uh, worth passing on to to finance people about um, maybe where they should be focusing yeah sure i think there's a couple of trends that i've been seeing one has been um, availability of workforce so for me i think people more and more are staying away from repetitive tasks. It's not, you know, people want value from their role, especially the newer generations coming through as well. So as leaders, we should be looking to automate those roles and create the roles that people want to do. Otherwise, I think we're just going to find it continually difficult to recruit. Secondly, I think the role of a CFO really there's two real different CFOs to me. There's the CFO of an SME, which that SME probably won't have a CIO or finance, uh, sorry, uh, an IT director potentially. So actually that CFO almost needs to be a CIO as well. They, They should be very technology aware because it's the technology that's going to help that function be as efficient as possible. And then secondly, the larger corp CFO should be very much working with, you know, with the CIO all of the time to understand how do those two functions be as efficient as possible so that they can add value to the business. So they can be providing kind of the insights and the wisdom to the business that enables it to make better decisions. Because I'm an absolute believer that a more informed business is a more profitable business. Wise words. Thank you for that. Interesting because the, uh, if I remember rightly, I think the um, CIO role or, or IT uh, in the earlier days quite often used to sit within the finance function, but then it, it sort of grew up so much that it became separate. But yeah, I think you're right. They do work hand in hand and uh, you know, close relationship is, is really important. Great. Well, so have you anything to add there? I suppose in particular, if there's anybody who would like to follow up with you, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, sure. So I think that the best way, LinkedIn is always a good way. Um, you can find me, Mark Gillum and Enable there. You can reach out to me on my email, mark.gillam enable.com. Or if you don't want to speak to me, but you just want to have a look at what Enable is all about, just go to enable.com. And there's lots and lots of content there um, that's been written all about rebate management, kind of the, the, the do's and the don'ts, what we're seeing in industry trends. Um, and we've also launched a community page. So people can actually now, who are managing rebates, who potentially just want to see what's, what's going on, maybe ask a few questions. 
and um, that's um, rebatestrategists.com. And yeah, it's kind of a, an independent area hosted by Enable, but realistically it's full of our clients and other parties that aren't even our clients who are just chatting about common trends and other singing rebates. Um, and that, that comes back to, I think, one of my first points. Enable created my role because for them, they want to be more than just software. They, they, they recognize this industry is a bit of a niche and they want to support it as much as they can. That sounds interesting. I think that's well worth a look uh, for anybody that's interested in in rebates. That's probably a good place to, to get a bit more depth. So, well, thanks very much for uh, for sharing your experience and expertise Mark, it's been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure our listeners will have found that uh, useful as well. So lastly, thanks for being a guest on the Forward Thinking CFO. You're welcome, Stephen. Thanks a lot. 